When I started running an independent label 16 years ago, the options open to me to get funding were limited. I had the money that was coming into my business via sales, and I could take out a bank loan if I was able to find a bank who was willing to give me one. The options for artists were even more limited. Mostly they made money from touring and from royalties if they were signed to a label and or a publisher. But in terms of having access to money for a special project or to try and sign an artist in a bidding war, indie labels were mostly out of luck and artists were too. In 2022, that funding landscape is changing and options have opened up that have the potential to make a real difference in the industry. Welcome to the future of what? I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. On today's episode, we're going to talk about new models of funding for artists, labels, and others in the industry. It's all coming up on the future of what? Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lift the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own business. No, mind your own business. My guest today is Andrew Bergman, the CEO of Downtown Music Holdings. Andrew, welcome to the future of what? Uh, thanks for having me. Nice to uh, nice to be with you. I know. I'm so happy to have you. I don't know that we've ever met in person, although we might have once in the in the new New York office before the pandemic. I'm certain that at some point in time we've met in person, but I've obviously I've known of you for quite a long time, and I'm uh, excited to be uh, talking to you today. Me too. Alrighty, so let's get right into it. The reason that we're talking today is that Downtown has launched a $200 million fund to support indie artists and entrepreneurs, which is a fantastic thing for you guys to do. So I'm very excited to hear all about it. Do you want to tell me how this came about? Uh, I would love to. So just uh, just to take a step back, you know, Downtown is basically is is built to service the the music ecosystem you know from an aspirational artist to a very sophisticated business and we and sometimes those businesses are independent and sometimes they are not um and and those uh there's a large ecosystem and one of the wonderful things about the modern music business as it continues to develop and there's a lot of work to do there's a lot of a lot of ways for for that music to be heard, to be created, to be distributed, and uh, people need tools. And sometimes one of those tools is financing. And the industry in general has not been particularly egalitarian in its ability to deploy that financing to the right parties to enable them to create the music that they're creating, get it to the world. So, as the way we're organized, we felt it was an opportunity for us to to do that. So we established this fund as a way to not be focused on a particular rights type or a particular segment of the market, but to look at individual opportunities and support those creative people and those creative entrepreneurial businesses. Yeah, I think one of the cool things, you know, when I first started running a record label about, which is like 15 or 16 years ago now, uh, the marketplace was very sort of uh, limited in terms of who had access, especially to financing. And even, you know, with the labels, a label like mine, you know, if I had an artist who was, you know, getting in a bidding war and, you know, Sony wanted them and was going to pay a million dollars for them, I, as a label, didn't have a lot of recourse. And things have really changed over the last couple of years, last few years in particular, with a lot of money coming into the marketplace from, you know, venture capital, from outside sources. What do you think, like, what's your uh, take on on this movement in our industry? Well, I mean, you raise a lot of interesting topics, Portia. So just with respect to the money that's been entering to the space, 
it's mostly been to support IP acquisition. So, and you know, you'd have to have been asleep for the last few years to not see the headlines about the, the huge acquisitions and some iconic artists and writers selling their catalogs to a variety of different players. Some of them are the traditional, you know, large major organizations. Some of them are the, uh, you know, independent publishers that have been uh, present in the, or in the, in the business for a while. And some of them are actually new entrants that are more uh, funded from outside financial interests. We don't think a lot of money has been focused on the growth of the, of the creator community. And that's essentially why we did what we did. We, we, we're, our business is oriented around service. We are not looking to acquire uh, anything as far as uh, rights to, to individual songs or mass recordings or albums or catalogs and so on and so forth. And going back to your experience running an independent label, uh, more often than not, if you were able to find a partner to to fund what your operations were, I was a lawyer before joining downtown, did a lot of work for independent labels and artists. Ultimately, the notion was how if we could find financing, there were strings attached to it. It was mm-hmm. they were acquiring the copyrights and interest in the copyrights or acquiring an interest in your company and so on and so forth. And ultimately, you might find that the next round of financing required another chunk of the business or even worse that you might find that an artist that you were developing at your label was now I think to your earlier point was now being signed perhaps to a larger entity that may have ultimately been your partner uh, may have initially been your partner we want to provide a safe space essentially where we can partner with the label and provide financing and provide the service offering as well of course I mean we have some of the best distribution marketing promotion capabilities some of the best publishing administration capabilities in the music system the music industry we want to then be able to say, listen, you want to be independent. You want to develop these things, whether you're an independent artist or you're a business. We're going to give you the services to, to do so, so you can focus on the creative aspects of what you're doing. And we can now provide you with some additional financing that is, you know, it's essentially established as an advance, typically against, you know, cash flows and a relatively uh, straightforward approach. Very, very, very easy to manage, um, very straightforward approach to the to the documentation and, and whatever else to make it as easy as possible so that you can be focused on the work at hand, which is developing artists, developing songs, you know, and marking that music to the world. Yeah. So how um, are you guys going to, how is this going to roll out? How, how, you know, how are you, do you have a team that's, that's out there working with artists in particular? Are there, you know, can artists apply for this? I mean, what's, how is it just going to work? It's, um, it, it's already, it's already working. We have a, a large group of our executives and employees are involved in outreach and business development and artist development. And so it's, it's a mix of traditional, non-traditional methods where we're getting, you know, getting in touch with, you know, the industry players and obviously some, you know, aspirational artists and writers to, to to uh, you know make that make that available to them so um it's not it's 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 still you know it's still the music industry so there is a element of you know trying to look under you know look wherever you can to find it whether it's a research oriented thing where we're using data and outreach that way or going to traditional brokers of the space that that represent a lot of the the clients that could use this financing whether they are companies or, or individuals so it's happening we are putting money to work and we've made a few announcements for some deals that have happened we're making some more uh in in the com- uh, coming weeks and months and we'll see it roll us out over the you know the months and years to come it's, a, it's really an exciting opportunity. There's so much movement in the independent space, you know, I mean, certainly with the rise of, uh, you know, 
user-generated content platforms and, you know, TikTok influencers, these folks who just sort of burst onto the scene and have, you know, half a million or a million followers overnight. You know, it's what I think we've always been lacking in our business is access to some funds for, you know, independent artists. So, uh, you know, outside of the traditional structure. So this is kind of an exciting movement. We agree. And there's really no minimum threshold to what we will or won't do. We're, we're, we're looking just to find things that we believe in. And, you know, when I say things, I, I'm, I'm generalizing whether it relates to a particular writer or a label that's getting started. So um, we want to, we want to, partner with uh, a full range of of creators across the spectrum so I, I agree i mean you know again going back to my old days as a lawyer there were a lot of phenomenally talented uh, artists that i worked with that was just frustrating that there wasn't the pathway to help them you know focus on the work that they want to do you know they they were too busy trying to raise money themselves or they maybe they had to take a day job because they and they couldn't do all the work they want to do to be creative and i also think in the in you know, when you talk about the pace of change and TikTok and all and NFTs and everything else that is out there right now, there there's never been more opportunity for individual artists and and companies to be successful and and get their music out there. But it's a very confusing landscape, and it is a lot of work to do. There's more work to do now, I would say, even than there was in the past. So the notion that we can help finance their activities so they can be focused on the on the, on the hard work of just being an artist is really gratifying for us, and we're excited to continue to roll it out. Definitely. So you said at the beginning of this interview that this is not a copyright ownership model. And I think that's quite interesting as well, because it seems like there are several companies popping into the space that are are sort of approaching this differently. Because as you said, you know, the sort of standard model has been, you know, I give you a ton of money and you give me your copyrights. Yes. And, you know, that's a tried and true model. And I don't begrudge anyone for doing it. Obviously, we're, you know, we're, we're very strong believers in the value of music and the long-term value creation and proposition that it is. Um, we feel like, and again, Portia, with your experience in the industry, I think we can agree that in, in years past, the the level of service that was available to the, the, the independent music community was pretty lacking. And, you know, downtown was developed in part to fill that need. And I think there's some amazing companies out there doing that but there's there's i think we're the only company that's really sort of putting every aspect of it together whether it's social video monetization whether it's collecting and monetizing your neighboring rights whether it is distribution whether it's the creative process whether it's sync licensing whether it's publishing administration we have it all in-house we have i think best in class services in all those areas so we really can be a place where you can partner with us and again, focus on being creative and also not worrying because we have no aspect of our business that is focused on asset acquisition that somehow in a few months or in a couple of years, the deal is going to change and say, well, listen, we want to take a piece if you want to, if you want us to continue to finance or we're looking to potentially competing with, with you in the next go round on something you're trying to sign where we're there to support our, and be a partner, not to, um, not to just build a, a basket of acquired stuff. Definitely. I see that. So it is quite interesting to me that we, we've moved from sort of a label model in the music industry to a label services model and now to something that might be called music services. That's a great way of putting it because we, we tend to think not about a rights type, but we th tend to think about clients. And listen, right, rights types matter. 
there are multiple sets of rights whenever we hear music and those of us that are ensconced in the business know that but we also believe that a particular type of creator has the same needs and those tend to be across those rights types so we built a platform so that we can provide that you know if you're if you're a new a relatively new artist you don't may not recognize the importance of getting your music registered in the current environment because you know in the old days you were selling CDs out or vinyl out of the back of the trunk on the tour you know maybe your mechanical royalties or your streaming royalties were not were not an, an issue or you weren't selling anything in countries that you were never going to get to but obviously you know you're reaching parts of the world that you couldn't reach before and you're monetizing your music in ways that wasn't possible before but there was no one really to, to collect that for you um, but you also need to distribute your music and get it to the right places on the right DSPs and 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 so on and so forth. So, we we provide all of that, and then also can provide you with some financing to help you make sure that you're focused on the task at hand. Fantastic. Well, on that note, Andrew Bergman is the CEO of Downtown Music Holdings, and Andrew, I've appreciated so much having you with me today on the Future of What. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Future of What. Follow us on all platforms at MusicBizAssoc, A-S-S-O-C, to find out more about MusicBiz and hear about what's coming up next. My guest today is Alex Heike. He's the founder and CEO of Sound Royalties. Alex, welcome to the future of what? Thank you, Portia. It's great to be here. It's so nice to have someone actually in studio with me for a change. Yes, I've done some of these via Zoom, and it's it's great to actually be in a studio, and you, know, you can see someone and yeah. feel their vibe and... It's good. Dig into it. So it's it's like new. <laughs> it feels all new. Um, so I want to talk today. We're talking about alternative m- methods of funding for artists and labels, sort of in 2022, because because yep. life has changed. But your story is particularly interesting because you were not a music biz guy. So can you just give us your story? How did you come to start Sound Royalties? Wow. So no, I I definitely wasn't a music business person. I just made a decision that I was going to come and make a difference. And it started because as a kid, you know, I played half a dozen instruments and just wanted to ride my bike and play music. And uh, my dad, who had two PhDs and two master's degrees, you know, basically instilled fear in me. It didn't work, but you know, that I needed to study or I'd be a failure. And so in college, because I was told I was going to college, um, you know, I, I uh, was part of a software company that just took off like a rocket ship, and we went from 10 people to offices in 15 countries, and that was a blast. And then wow. I was a software guy and a high-tech guy for a number of years, and then fell into specialty finance and did that for a number of years. And then in 2013, having given up music from age 18 forward, because it was very frustrating to me. Music is definitely like many people. It's my first love. It's just not my first language. Right. And so I couldn't create. I could just condition myself to play, so I quit. But in 2013, I just decided, you know what? I miss something, and I miss music. Maybe if I can't create music, or maybe I can be part of it. And so I just jumped off a cliff and decided to build an airplane on the way down, and that airplane was going to be a music company. (laughs) And that's how it started, not knowing what it would be, but knowing I was going to come to music. Now, I uh, I am famously skeptical of people who just show up in the music industry and decide <laughs> they can solve all our problems because one of the weirdest things about the music industry is that we have, you know, a hundred year history of, uh, you know, this, I always call it this patchwork of historical accidents that created the music industry as yes. it stands today. 
And so, you know, it's it's quite difficult and complicated to understand all of our issues. However, I'm overjoyed to say you're a huge exception to my rule because I think your company that you created, you really saw a need and created a company to fill that need. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, and it and it evolved. It wasn't like I decided I was going to come and I knew how to do all these things, you know, at first I said, okay, there's publishers and labels. And I said, I wonder if I could partner with one or buy one or be, you know, part of one. And then I quickly realized how complex it was, how difficult it is to this day still. And I said, boy, if, you know, they'd take me to the cleaners if they had any (laughs) sense about them. So that's not for me, but I knew something about finance. And so I said, you know what, let me see what finance options are out there. And that's when I started to look. I spoke to all the banks. I came to Nashville many times to speak to the entertainment uh, gurus at, at the various banks. You know, what were they doing? What was offered? What were they turning away? And then I started to talk to the private financial services company that were offering solutions at the time and wasn't enamored by that. And I still didn't see a solution. But I, I, I looked at the industry and said, you know what, I, I, I want to operate more like a bank. I don't want to be viewed as an outsider of, the, of this industry. Because at the time, those, those financial services companies were more considered outsiders. The industry was songwriters, artists, producers, labels, publishers, distributors, and you know, entertainment lawyers, and, you know, and entertainment bankers, not their banks, but the bankers, were part of the industry, but the you know a lot of the financial services company were kind of pawn shops, and they weren't part of it. And I said, well, I don't want to do that. And I said, what if I created something that would be more like a bank? And that's how the idea started to percolate at first, and then it started to evolve. And actually, interestingly enough, a close friend here in Nashville who will remain nameless um, is an entertainment banker and one of the one of the top and over a beer he said to me you know what Alex it's a good idea but it'll never work and I I said why and he said because there's not enough deal volume he goes and and I said well you know what it'll be good to do something small then but be part of something and that's where it started to create a company that operated like a bank a bank gives you a mortgage they don't want to own the house right um, a car loan, they don't want to own the car. And to create a financial services model that operated in that sense is where the idea started. Great. Well, I want to hear the, the idea, and I want everyone to, to know the idea. Just to back up a tiny step, you know, a lot of the financial models that had been in the industry and are still in the industry are copyright ownership models, right? Where yep. we come in and we buy your catalog. We come in and we buy your rights to your catalog, you know, mm-hmm. your copyrights. And you didn't want to do that. Yeah, you know, I I understood that that copyright, even at the time, you know, now you're getting into 2013, 2014, that copyright was and is king, right? And so to come into and have people give up their baby, that didn't feel right and didn't jive with my vibe of just really wanting to be part of something. So to come in and start taking stuff, uh you know, there's two ways to look at it, and, and, and I see it from both perspectives. If you're just a, a financial services company taking copyrights or an investment group, eh, that doesn't feel great to me. But if you're a publisher or a label that's adding value to it, I completely understand it and get it. So I, I want to differentiate those two a little bit. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, so tell us, what does Sound Royalties do? So Sound Royalties was created on the concept, we don't buy copyrights, and 
I realized I need to take it further than the bank. You know, if you don't pay for that house or that car, they're going to come tow it or foreclose on it. And if I foreclosed on one individual's copyrights, that we would be viewed as having done it on purpose, maybe overextended someone. So we don't buy them. We don't even take them in default. And, and, and that's how the model started. And then I realized that the next objection was, well, you're going to underestimate and you're going to collect much faster than you say. You're going to say, I'm going to pay you in two or three years, but you're going to pay yourself back in six months. And I said, well, no, no, no. What if we just take a fixed dollar amount for a fixed period of time? Anything above, it's yours. Anything less, we're taking a risk. But, you know, so we don't pay ourselves off early. It's, it's, it's an agreed upon fixed schedule. And then the flexibility. Every deal is, 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 is customized for the needs of the creative and they have options. And that's how it all started. And, and to this day, you know, since we pioneered, you know, the music finance model, yeah, to this day, it's still everybody gets customized options to fit their needs. That's amazing. So let's say I'm a label because mm -hmm. I run an independent label for many years. And let's say I have this great artist and I want to do a really good video for them, but I don't have $40,000, let's say, to put into a video. So I could come to you guys and I could say, I need $40,000 for this video. Mm -hmm. What is the term of like, how would we do that? How would we repay that? So it, it Every deal's custom, right. but in that example, <laughs> the initial gut or the, you know, the initial look or the approach that we see most often is two-pronged. Is the creative funding this or is the label funding it, right? And off of which side? And then we can show them options to say, listen, from this income stream, you know, you need 40,000. Know, do you want to stretch it out over five years or do you want to stretch it out over six quarters? And if it's six quarters, maybe it's, a little less than 10,000 or, you know, hypothetical numbers, you're paying back over the six quarters this amount. Anything above it's yours. And we do that now. It started off with songwriters and we funded songwriters on their songwriter share. Then it grew to uh, publisher share and, and individuals on their publisher share from their publishers. Then it grew into the sound recording for um, producers and artists. Then it grew into independent publishers and funding them on their income streams and, and then labels and distributors. Since then, it's evolved to beyond that to be even be white label services for distributors where they can get funding for a creative off of the distribution income that that creative is bringing to them and their other income streams if they choose to leverage them. That's awesome. So this is different. I mean, I certainly know my own experience, you know, going to a bank to try to get a loan, running yep. a record label, and saying, no, you don't understand, I'm putting out a vinyl <laughs> album, and yeah. it's gonna sell, I know it's gonna sell a lot of copies, mm -hmm. and they're saying, where's the collateral, how do we know? And I'm, you know, it, it was difficult, it was quite difficult to secure a loan. So this is a whole new model, not only is it not exactly a traditional loan with the traditional terms of a loan, it's run by people who understand what, what they're actually getting into in the business, which is very helpful. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's it started off learning, and that's why we learned something simpler, such as a simple performance rights income on a writer share, and then slowly grew it. But absolutely, that's what it's about. It's understanding what the creatives bring to the table. And we're now evolved into doing touring advances. Wow. And have pioneered that because nobody else is doing that right now. We're excited to, you know, to dive into that 
that and help creatives. You know, we talked about getting back in the studio. Well, what about getting back on the road? Right. And so helping them with their production and getting back on the road. And so we're, we offer financing and touring advances without taking ownership, without wanting a percentage of ownership of the tour. And if it does really well to get overpaid, you know, a straight finance model. That's amazing. And so you guys have obviously found a way to do volume so that it's making that, that initial skepticism, uh, you know, incorrect. Yes, definitely. We're the leading financial services company in the industry. We've got 50 full-time employees, which for this sector of the market, there, there's nobody that even comes close to that and growing, wow. you know, and, and so, you know, there's, you know, legal, compliance, accounting, underwriting, processing, royalty specialists. You know, we've, we've got a whole platform that's built to scale and, and continues to grow on scale as the market starts to understand what we're doing, who we are, and that, oh, we are one of the good guys and we are doing what we say because that's the initial perception when someone comes across it. Oh, it must be too good to be true. <laughs> and that's why we love the entertainment lawyers because the entertainment lawyers look at it and say, Oh, it is true. This is what the agreement says. Yeah. And then it grows from there. That's awesome. So let's say that a young artist, musician is listening to this podcast right now and thinking, oh my gosh, I can get some money to do something yep. from Sound Royalties. Do you guys have any kind of threshold? Do you have to be a certain size? Like what, what are you looking for in, in the people you work with? Absolutely. Now we work with the multi-platinum global worldwide superstars all the way and you know providing tens of millions of dollars all the way down to a creative whether it's songwriter artist or producer that's earning five thousand dollars a year not a month a year uh so now you're at 400 and change that you know a month that if they're earning that we can provide them services and the reason being is the goal was to help the industry and it started off small and started there and we've m kept that intact because we believe in the creatives the only reason we have to put that in place is is think about a tap on a house an old house that's been off for a while and you turn it on what does it do at first it sputters right and royalties for the most part once they fall below that threshold they kind of sputter around and we'd love to help smaller but we're proud that we can help someone that's earning as little as five thousand bucks a year that's awesome that's very cool well, Alex Heike, CEO of Sound Royalties and founder, uh, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What. It's my pleasure. It's exciting to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And that's our show. Our theme song is Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five and is played by permission. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Today's show was engineered by Hayden Nash and Clark Buckner at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and was produced by Dana Rogers and Henrik Bick. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next time. Can I have a taste of your ice cream?